Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Got a great show planned for you. Uh, DMs, always open. So if you got a DM for us, glide on into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide, and drop your questions in there, topics you want covered. Um, got a great show planned, but I like to think we always do. I'm going to drop a few gems on you. Hopefully some things that are a little challenging. As always, remember, if something kind of throws you off or disturbs you, sit with it. That's where a little bit of your work is. Why was that upsetting? Why did I not agree? Is there anything I can learn in there about myself, the world? Um, I wanted to open the show, though, with an interesting topic. This is an article that came out of The Cut. 10 best questions for you to ask when you are on a job interview. And I kind of liked that because I think far too many people approach job interviews the way they approach dating, which is, I just want to get it. I just want to be liked. Well, that's a horrible theory. You want to make sure that this is a right fit for you, that that relationship is the right fit, job relationship or romantic relationship. And so we have to do our own version. I say to all my clients when we talk about job interview readiness or job skills, go in there interviewing them as well. It's not a power play, um, although they need you as much as you need them. Like Remember that businesses can't operate without employees, so you have a right to assert yourself and ask for what you need. But it's really just about figuring out, is this the right fit? And so it is all, it will look good for you to be that invested that you're asking these questions. But again, we're not trying to be snarky or power play. It's about you also making sure, is this the right fit for me? And we have to, you know, ask a few questions to really elicit that. And remember, just like on a date, it's not always someone's answer to the question that matters as much as also how, what is their, what is their process? Are they open to that kind of vulnerability? You know, how shut down are they? How relational are they? First question, I love this. I think it's really smart for a job interview is they're interviewing you. You can also ask your questions such as, how will you measure the success of the person in this position? So it kind of gets you right to the crux of what you need to know about the job. What does it mean to do well here, right? And what will you need to achieve for this manager or supervisors to be happy with your performance? I think that's important because they might talk about it in a way where you're realizing "Mm, that's not the right job for me. They might say things that imply they expect you to have no boundaries and always available and poor work-life balance. Well, that's not gonna be a healthy job for you. You know what I mean? So you wanna, you're, you're assessing these broader concepts within, within these questions, but just going specific to the question, you do really wanna know what measure or metric you're gonna be held accountable to, you know? Um, here's another question I thought that was really important. Um, what are some of the challenges you expect the person in this position to face? Great feeding on the front end, right? What, what might this job entail that I'm not aware of because all I was able to do is read the job description 
and them telling you what some of these challenges are that the person in the position might face might help you realize it's not the right job for you or the opposite. I got that. Wow, if that's all the challenges are and I can handle that, I'm gonna be perfect for this. And you can say that. Interesting to hear because for me, those don't, those don't sound like challenges. Those are my strengths. Or you might have to actually say the opposite. Unfortunately, that might not be the right job for me. That won't work. Uh, you know what I mean? Blah, 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 right? It, get, it gets the conversation going, but it's important for you to assess is the, is, is, this, is the bar too high for me? Am I setting myself up to fail when they're telling me what might be required to be successful? What are some of the challenges in a position like this, right? And that's also why I think it's also important in dating, and you might not come right out with this, but at some point you do want to ask questions about their, their exes. How did your last relationship end? Why did it end? And you're going to start to hear this person's mental health. How they talk about their exes is important. If they're name calling and putting them down, this is a very unkind, harsh, unhealthy person. Because a healthy person would say something like, yeah, unfortunately it didn't work out, here's why. And it wouldn't be a direct attack or character assassination. You know, and you're looking to see if they still have friendships with these exes. It's a good sign if someone can be friends with an ex. It means they leave lovingly. There's no disrespect, right? So you're listening. You're also learning about what tends to be issues with this person. If they say, oh, it always ended because I'm too needy. Well, you're going to want to understand what that means because maybe you might realize, wow, this person's always asking for more than a healthy person's willing to give. So I love that in a job. What are some of the challenges you expect the person in this position to face? I think that's an amazing question. And even people that are interviewing, you might want to even think about bringing some of these questions in. Here's another one. Can you describe a typical day or week in the job? Right? You want to know whether, you know, 90% of your time is spent doing administrative work or the split's 50-50. You might realize it's on-site, off-site. I mean, these are all important things, but this also applies to dating. You know, I think it's important when assessing compatibility to ask someone like, how do you spend New Year's? What do your weekends tend to look like? And it doesn't have to be interviewery if you're on a date, but you can say something like, so what would you do this past weekend? And if they're saying something like I was drunk the whole weekend, good to know. Because if you're not a drinker or you're sober, it's not going to work. You know, I don't drink. I don't like to party. I get up early. So when I was dating, I used to say things like, how do you spend New Year's Eve? What was your weekend like? Because if it's always about staying out late and drinking and partying, it'll never work. I don't enjoy those things or value those things, you know? And so on a job, it's important to ask that. What's a typical day or week like in this job? What a really valuable question. Um, all right, let's take a pause there. Um, then we come back, we'll keep breaking down some of these questions. And I'll, as always, always trying to translate them outside of the exact you know, entry point. Um, and then of course, later in the show, we'll be gliding into those DMs. So as always, drop us a question in that DM if you got one for us. And past episodes are always over at wearechannelq.com. We love hearing from you. So let us know whatever's going on. But when we come back, we're going to keep talking about some of these important job interview questions for you to ask when you are on a job interview. All right, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, y'all. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, we're looking at some really great job interview questions for you to ask the person that's interviewing you. Because again, just like on dates, you want to make sure it's a good fit. And just like the person interviewing you for the job has questions, you want to lovingly and respectfully ask questions back to better understand what's expected of the job and if it's a fit. You know, um, I think people interviewing should be better prepared for questions. So the other ones we were kind of talking about that I thought really important just to kind of review is the first one we were saying is drum roll because I got to scroll back and find it. Uh, how will you measure success for a person in this position? Right. Also asking what are some of the challenges you think a person's position would be facing? It's a good way to learn more about the job. Also, can you describe a typical day or week in this job? Really looking at work-life balance, does the job or employer respect boundaries, understanding that, you know, when you're on the clock, you're on the clock, but after hours are your time, you know? And we want to also ask this if people were dating, right? Like, hey, what are your weekends like? What do you do on holidays? You know, assessing social compatibility that way. If you're a daytime person, they're a nighttime person, good to know. If they party and you don't, good to know. Maybe you do and they don't, good to know. You know what I mean? A lot can come out of these kinds of questions. Um, also, I love this one. How long did the previous person in the role hold the position? What's, what's turnover like generally in that role? That's good to know. If they're like, oh, they only stuck around a few weeks, red flag. If this business is always laying off and turning over and hiring new people, that is not a good sign. It's probably not a good place to work. If they don't have good worker retention, red flag all over the place. But that's also something we can ask on a date. Very calmly, very casually. Oh, you're dating off and you're dating a lot. You know what I mean? We're going to learn a lot. Do they balance the first time there's an issue? They might say, yeah, I've never had a long-term relationship. Well, that's going to be interesting to find out more about. Or if they're like, yeah, I'm always dating. Well, why is that? Does this person not know how to be in a secure, healthy, committed relationship? Like a lot can really come to the surface when we enter any system, a job, <clears throat> right? Social relationships, romantic relationships to find out like what goes on, right? And that's why we ask about prior. I always on a date would find a very appropriate way to say, hey, are you friends with any of your exes? What's dating been like for you to really learn about their mental health? But jobs are the same way. But I love this. How long did the previous person hold the role? It's turnover gener what gen what's turnover generally like? Here's another one. What are you hoping this person will accomplish in their first six months and in the first year? Right? I think that's great. Um, what else do they have here? These are good. And the relation, the relational version of that is again, why did your, why did your relationships end or why did your last relationship end? Really looking at what tend to be a sticking point with this person or what do they tend to see as most important? They might say, oh, well, my partner worked too much and they're never available. Good, to, good for you to know that they're healthy enough to put relationships before all else. And you have to ask yourself, do I feel that same way? Or am I going to be like their ex? Always expecting them to be second or tertiary and, and not complain about it. Well, this person will. So that's good to know, right? 
Um, another question, thinking back to people you've seen do this work previously, what differentiated the ones who were good from the ones who were really great, right? So it's like, what is greatness? What, what did you look for to speak to their greatness? I love that. And again, you could even say that on a date. Hey, relationships for you that went really well and did really well and that were longer term relationships. What was so important about those? What was really valuable? Or what do you think helped you stay in that relationship as long as you did? Again, these aren't necessarily things you might ask on the first date, but at some point you hope you have enough intimacy in a relationship where you can talk about your lives. There's, there should be nothing that's off limits, right? I'm not saying these are first date questions. Sometimes they might be though, but you know, again, um, I think that's a really great one. Oh, here's another one. How would, this is again, what you might be asking on a job interview. How would you describe the culture here? What type of people really tend to thrive here? What type, what type of people don't? All jobs have a job culture, you know, and you want to learn about that. Relationships are the same way as well, you know? Tell me about your friends. How'd you meet them? What do you tend to do with your friends? Or, you know, when are you dating? What other, you know, what, what, what methods have you dated or met people? You know, what do you like to do on dates? You're learning their culture. You know, if you ask me what I like to do on dates, you're going to learn a lot about what's important to me, how I spend my time, what my values are. I'll talk a lot about art and music and film. That's what I'd like to do. Coffee shops, books, reading, travel versus someone who might be more into, you know, again, I'm using lazy examples, partying, and they'll talk a lot about drinkings and events and things like that. You know, but you want to ask a job that as well. What's the job culture like here? What type of people tend to thrive? What type of people don't do so well? It's a really good way to, again, assess if this is the right position for you. Because again, when you're on a job interview, like a date, it's not about just getting them to choose you. That's not honest. And that's not going to promise long-term suitability. It's really about assessing, are we a match? And sometimes a successful job interview is like a successful date when you realize we're not a match. And thank God we're asking the right questions to be able to figure that out. Because that's the po- that is the whole point of an interview and a date, right? Um, let me see if there's any other questions here. Oh, I love this one. Asking the interviewer, what do you like about working here? You can learn a lot about the way they respond. Do they have several things to tell you? Great. Do they look at you with a blank stare nervously? Cause maybe there isn't and they hate it. It's probably good to know. Maybe they'll even be more transparent at that point and share that with you, you know, but read their body language. You don't want to work somewhere where the person interviewing you themselves doesn't even want to work or can't even tell you the positives. That is not a good sign. Same thing with a relationship. Another one, I love this final one. Ask the question you really care about. I don't even know what that means because it's very vague. Um, but basically, the whole point is, if nothing else, remember, we move through the world with our self-esteem on the line off and just wanting to get the person or get the job. We just want to be liked, but we actually want to be known. We actually want to say, okay, I'm going on a date or an interview. So of course I'm open and interested to some extent. So of course it feels good when, when they're, when you're wanted, but you also want to make sure it's something you want. It, there's, there's nothing meaningful in being wanted by someone or something that you yourself don't want and isn't right for you. That's just a mess. And that's not fair to either side, right? So like really ask these questions because a lot of red flags are there from the door if we're willing to see them as such or really willing to explore and find out if they're there, you know? But I think a lot of people are just so focused on being wanted and being liked that they ignore everything or they don't even give those things a chance to emerge. And there's very appropriate respectful ways to kind of bring those things to the surface. So we'll talk more about it. Uh, We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. 
All right, we're back and uh, we're gonna be talking about forgiveness. It's probably one of the most important parts of living on this planet is the ability to forgive. And I'm talking small, big, medium, large. I mean, small forgiveness is, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic and you just let it go. That's somewhere to be. Or they're having a rough day. Or they're, God bless, trying to get through the world with that aggressive style. But, you know, you letting it go, which to some is forgiving it, is, is just you not taking that with you. You not letting someone else's action, right, that had nothing to do with you, now make your whole day bad you know, or kill a few hours. And then it goes larger, where part of being in relationships is often harming each other. I don't mean grand scale harm, but letting each other down, bumming each other out. Part of being in a relationship means often we'll have to let things go, forgive them. Sometimes when they're asking for it and accountable, and other times if we know they're healthy and we care about them, we just kind of like shake it off on our own. But again, trauma informed. No one is, when we talk about larger scale, Violations and traumas, you are not needing to forgive anyone if they are not safe, they haven't taken accountability. This whole topic is around the smaller scale things. We're not talking about violence, we're not talking about abuse. We're talking about smaller, we're talking about letdowns, disappointments, frustrations, those things. So I just wanna kind of add that disclaimer um, as we move forward. But we know that relationships work best, not when there's no conflict or fighting. That's part of life. In fact, if a couple says we never fight, I'm worried. I'm like, who's selling themselves out? Like, who's not speaking up for themselves? Like, how is it that you always, eh, maybe you manage everything really well. That's great. But it's, it's how you manage the fights that really matter. And bigger than that is just all healthy relationships are about being willing to do the repair work. And that's really hard because, you know, as adults, we sometimes have this childlike perspective of who's at fault, fair is fair. Adults don't think in terms of fair is fair and who's at fault. Adults think in terms of if I did something wrong, I take accountability, but I'm always open to repairing for a relationship that I want to be a part of. And if I'm further along or more emotionally mature than my partner, God bless it. Thank God for that. I'm willing to do that for us because I care about this relationship and I care about that person. And I'm willing to be the adult in the room at all times if I have to, right? We can't have two children in the room at all times. We need an adult. And if your child's losing themselves, I'm sorry, if your partner's losing themselves or struggling like a child, you step in and you be the adult. And oftentimes that will mean saying, okay, or letting things go or forgiving things, right? But what are the key components of being able to have these really necessary, productive conversations? Because it's all about that productivity. Well, the first thing is start with, start with a well, let me, let me go backwards. Don't start coming in hot and don't start with a criticism. Okay. I was kind of stumbling over that word criticism. Criticism is you never, you always, or it's name calling. You're lazy. None of that is loving. None of that is part of a mature, healthy adult relationship. So pull all of that out. Okay. But you can start with a concern or a request. Hey, it would mean a lot to me if you would take out the trash when you see it's full. Do you see how much better that feels and how much more motivating that is than you're lazy and you never take out the trash? Okay, you're just attacking. There's literally no request in there. It's just an attack. We don't want to attack people we care about if we're in a loving, healthy relationship where we want to form one. We go to the request. Hey, could you please take the trash out? It would mean a lot to me. No name calling, no attacking, right? Criticism puts people on the defensive. And it should, because they are literally being attacked. When you make a request, defensiveness doesn't spike. If nothing else from today's show, just remember that. Make a request. Be soft. If you care about this person and you care about the relationship, then everything you do is in service of that and in maintenance of that 
And your tone and your verb, you, and your word use and perspective should mirror that. Make a request, not an attack or criticism. No relationship has ever been served by that. Also, we have to use what we call a soft startup. We don't come in hot. That is where we do, we call it self-regulation. If you come in at a five, it's gonna be at a five and maybe escalate. If you come in at a zero, it might get to stay to zero. And if it does escalate, it's only going up to a two or a three, which is very manageable and makes everyone still feel safe and connected. But we don't come in hot. We use a soft startup or we slowly ease into the topic. That's also very, very important because that shows care and respect. Because again, we're always thinking relationally. What impact will what I'm about to say or do have on the relationship? Because if you don't care about that, then you should just exit it. If you don't care enough about the impact you have on that person in the relationship, then just leave because you don't care. But if you do want it and you do want to keep it, you have to show that and be part of that maintenance structure. What else do you think we shouldn't do? Well, we have to be respectful. We covered that. We want to make sure we're not using threatening words, right? Because again, if we're trying to connect, if we're trying to make our needs known, if we're trying to get our partner to be aware of what our needs are, and we're using threatening words or attacking, what happens is, understandably, they're going to get defensive or we're going to flood them. And that means they're overwhelmed. We're always trying to keep the temperature low so that our partner is able to hear us and stay open because we're approachable. But if we come in hot and not approachable or not connectable, then they can't and they won't. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna glide into those DMs, answering your questions, covering topics, and then when we come back afterwards, we'll circle back to this. So stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Coming up next, them DMs. All right, y'all, we are back and it is time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This DM says, Dear Dr. Chris and Loveline, I know the pandemic's winding down, but since it began, I've had a lot of spikes in my anxiety anytime I've needed to go out in public and it is still happening. Now that more places are open, masks are not needed, people are out and about, I find it incredibly hard to relax when I'm out of the house, but then also when I'm back at home. Seems like if I do one thing out of the house, grocery shopping, I'm exhausted for the rest of the day and very emotionally on edge. Do you have any tips to help me manage my anxiety when easing back into society? Thanks for everything you do. Been a big fan for years. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Um, first off, I just want to um, empathize with where you're at because you're basically telling my story. I'm that same way. I'm just not ready. I've already, I've always uh, been a little bit of an uh, introverted extrovert, right? Where I perform extroversion really well. People think I'm very loud, outgoing, and gregarious, but um, I'm actually pretty internal and introverted and quiet, very thoughtful about who I spend time with and the spaces I spend time in. I value a lot of reflection, have a lot of generalized anxiety, <laughs> uh, a lot of social phobia, and I've also started to develop um, some agoraphobia, which is anxiety for me about kind of leaving the house, entering public spaces, abilities to take care of myself in those ways. Um, and so I appreciate where, what you're going through. You know, the pandemic has amplified a lot of that for us. Why? Well, because there is a real threat out in the world. A lot of like generalized anxiety and social phobia is often rooted in, you know, um, ca ca catastrophic thinking, right? Cognitive distortions, uh, not feeling grounded in our bodies, not feeling like we can set boundaries or safe in the world. And the pandemic really let us know the world isn't safe, right? And then we watch things like 
uh, gay and trans people being murdered around the world and beat up in our own country. Uh, you know, people that are black or of color getting brutalized or finding the bodies of the indigenous individuals buried at the schools that they were abused and traumatized in. I mean, what a world we're living in. And it's become more apparent, more vibrant, more robust. So I get where you're going. I understand. First off, it's going to be about going slow because we don't want to overwhelm or traumatize. I don't agree that you should jump in and learn how to swim. No, that can traumatize actually and remind us that this isn't something we can manage. So what you basically want to do is write a list of all the things you have to do and give them a number with how much power and fear they provide and start slow. Do the twos, conquer those, then try doing the threes, then try doing the things that are level four. And it takes as long as it takes. Your mental health matters. And if things aren't getting done and they're taking longer, that's okay. My place is not as clean as it normally is. My fridge is not as stocked as normally is because I'm moving slow. In general, I'm trying to slow down. I also found out that I have some heart issues and some high blood pressure issues. My doctor is mandating, I need less stress and I need to move slower. So I'm saying no to things. I'm taking my time getting back to people. I'm turning down some work projects because I care about my physical and mental health. So I'm moving slow. I'm turning down a lot of social invitations, telling people the truth. Hey, thanks for inviting me to your party. I'm just not ready to re-enter the dating world or I'm not ready to be in public spaces like that. This week, I am going to try to venture out and go to someone's birthday party, but I'm going to bring a mask. I'm going to allow myself to leave if I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to come in and out of social. If I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'll go spend time with myself somewhere, drinking a glass of water. I don't drink alcohol. So be where you're at right? Move slow, delegate, let other people take on some of these responsibilities and slowly start to see that the world is safer than you think, right? The more in control you are and the slower you move, the better you'll feel and the better it'll be for you. So be kind with yourself, move slow, don't push yourself, don't shame yourself. It's going to take time. A lot of people are bouncing right back. I've seen people out there that are like at concerts, pool parties. I'm like, wow, but that's a different person for me and you. And we don't need to be like them. In fact, I don't want to be like them. I want to move at my pace because my pace is just as important and just as correct. And my pace is a lot different and that's okay. Be where you are, you know? So take your time and don't rush. You know, I think we all need to do that. That's a lesson and that's a perspective we can apply to a lot of things in the world. So there that is, you know what I'm saying? So uh, if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Energy page. And uh, yeah, when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about monogamy and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then of course, we'll be gliding back into those DMs and past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. There they all are, bin, share, post, re-listen. Yep, good stuff. But like I said, when we come back, we got more for you and then we'll glide into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, brought to you by Astroglide. Stick around, we'll be back. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back and we're talking about um, forgiveness. Oh, yes. I know it sounds like we're talking about communication skills, but it's really about us honoring, I care about this person, I like the relationship we have. I want to continue it. And so I'm framing everything within that context because if I don't mind burning it down and I don't care about our relationship, the mature, healthy adult thing to do is to then exit, right? We're not in relationships to make each other miserable. Life can do that on its own at times. It's hard enough, right? We're, we're talking in attachment theory based terms, which is our relationship should be a safe platform for which to exit and enter the world feeling like someone's back there and has our back, which then means they're a safe haven for us to return to. We want to treat it well and treat it kindly. 
our relationships should be things that we treat very fragilely because they are. And we should, again, be trying to be part of a healing process, not further harming each other or making each other feel bad or, like I said, making each other's lives more difficult. So again, if nothing else, I was saying to everyone, just remember, make requests, not criticisms or attacks. That'll get you nowhere. It'll motivate no one. And understandably, people get defensive when they're being attacked. Just make your request. Lovingly ask for what it is you need. Right? Also, we're not coming in hot. We're coming in cool and soft starting at a zero to try to keep it there. And if we don't feel like we can, pause, go take some deep breaths, come back to it, go for a walk, I don't care. But if you're feeling overwhelmed and dysregulated, that's not a time to really step into this, right? Because we're being relational. So we're using non-threatening words, right? And so it's all about being aware of yourself. We also have to pay attention to our verbal cues. When we're talking to our partners or anyone in the world, remember their unconscious is tracking our micro movements and micro expressions. Oh, they're picking up on them. If we're showing quick signs of disgust or anger or frustration, they're going to read that. They're going to read that. So that's why you have to make sure you're grounded in your own body. If you're not feeling calm, soothed, and grounded in your own body, well, then you're going to tell on yourself by projecting what you're really feeling and thinking with some of those micro movements and micro expressions. So again, this is all in the context of people we care about. So we would want to do the work we need to do behind the scenes so as to give them and our relationship the best shot because conflict is going to happen. Healthy couples don't have no conflict. Healthy couples just do all the things we're talking about. And so it's easy. They laugh it off. It's light. They make jokes. You don't even notice it because they've figured it out, right? But the couples that struggle haven't, or they just aren't willing to, or they don't care because part of being in a healthy long-term relationship is as one of my favorite theorists says, knowing your, your partner's operational manual, manual, you know how your partner works. You learn them, you learn what sets them off and you don't step into that. Again, we're responsible for our own triggers and our own wounds, but a loving partner also knows what our partner's wounds and triggers are and doesn't walk us into them, doesn't purposefully play upon them. So you have to figure out, as I say all the time, the secret sauce for your relationship and then keep keep that sauce the way it's supposed to be. We don't start adding stuff, but you have to learn your partner. You know, their um, owner, you know, the owner manual, you got to get a grip on that. But this is all in service of staying together. Here's another interesting thing that came out of research I was doing on an unrelated topic is this whole thing about eye contact. So I've shared with you all before that one of the most um, important things for a relationship is to have touch and eye contact, right? And how long distance relationships struggle because they don't really get that, but you can try to do that with some FaceTime. It's not the same. It's also why for fighting with someone and they're not around, especially if it's long distance, it can feel really hard because we can't just see them and feel them and know that we're okay again and all's well. Um, you do your best. But eye contact is really important. And so that's why if couples are making difficult disclosures, I'll tell them to look at each other because it's really harder for us to be our harsh self and it's very soothing and it makes us feel safer and it makes us say what's more honest for us. But there's something in our brain that will register it as aggressive if we give people our profile. It's also just rude because you're saying you don't have my full attention, but there's also something in our brain in our more primitive parts that register that as aggressive. And so make sure you're looking at someone dead in their face, not creepily dead in their face, I shouldn't have said it like that. Make sure you're looking at someone fully, face-to-face, full eye contact, with softness in your eyes when you're making these statements. If you're not willing to do that, ask yourself why. Why am I unwilling to do what it takes, all these things that we're talking about, with someone I, I claim to love or care about? What am I learning about myself or the relationship if I'm not willing to do that? right? Like I, that's why I love this stuff. What's diagnostic is the willingness or lack of willingness. 
if some of these things are things that sound good, make sense, but you're just not willing to do it, why? What does that tell you about how committed you are? Because commitment is about our willingness to work on the relationship. True commitment is us being willing to have difficult conversations. True commitment is not shying away from giving the relationship what it needs. And so you have to really check in on that. Like, why am I unwilling to do that? And that's maybe where the work starts. Don't shame yourself. Let it be diagnostic. Let it communicate. Same thing with your partner. If you talk about all this and they're like, yeah, I don't care. I don't mind burning it down. I don't mind this feeling unhealthy or uncomfortable. Why? And were you part of creating a kind of system where you both don't mind doing detrimental things to each other in the relationship? Can you maybe just changing your behavior and bringing more care and respect, maybe that will soften the system and maybe that will soften your partner. And that's one of the powerful things about being in a relationship is everything we do or bring in will shift who they're relating to and how they're relating, right? And if we can be more kind, it'll often elicit more kindness. And if it doesn't, even better for us to know that even when we are doing the work, it doesn't even matter, right? What do we want to do about that? Powerful stuff. Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency returns to Park MGM October 14th through the 31st. Go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets, a hotel stay at Park MGM, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending money. Tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more Love Love. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to kind of go through this little bit of research together. This is out of Healthline. They're talking about mood boosters, seven mood boosters that don't cost a thing. I thought, let's all go through this together. Um, I flipped through it. Some of them I think are great. Some of them I think are completely ridiculous, but I tend to feel that way. So mood boosters, what does that mean? Well, again, remember, mental health. We're feeling all of our feelings. Mental health is the ability to feel all feelings and to feel them deeply and have safe ways to express them. Um, But sometimes we realize maybe we're catastrophizing something. I know. Imagine that. We catastrophize. We dramatize. And as I'm always saying to y'all, right-size things. Often we amplify, right? So ask yourself, like, is my response appropriate for what happened, right? Not letting a bad minute be a bad hour. Not letting something bad that happened become an entirely bad day. You know what I mean? A bad day doesn't have to be a bad week. Like, we can just compartmentalize it, let it be what it is, right? Right Right-sizing it. We're also working on, as we say all the time, just saying okay to things. Oh, I wanted it to be great weather. I walked out of the house. It was way colder than I wanted. Maybe it's snowing. Okay, I'm going into acceptance, not what I wanted, but I'll go in and get a thicker jacket or whatever it is. Like, we're just kind of okaying things, you know? Um, Unless it's an injustice and then we're getting loud, speaking up, making some change, but otherwise we're learning to roll with it. But what are some of these little mood boosters? See, I love these. Take a walk, they say. You take a walk, just wander. (laughs) So I think there's something meaningful in that, right? Um, Getting out of the environment will help us regulate, calm ourselves, right? It also, going for a walk, we're gonna get distracted. Something powerful in difficult times when we can't necessarily change the conditions to distract ourselves. And going for a walk is to both step out of the condition, right? But also to distract ourselves. And also there's something good for us in just being out in the fresh air and the sunshine. So I'm a fan of that. We're talking about that a lot during COVID. Uh, Laughing it off. 
the ability to laugh is a higher level coping mechanism. When we can make a joke, we're not patronizing, we're not dishonoring the severity, but when we can appropriately make a joke about something we're going through or make someone laugh, it's a really good tool for couples in a heated moment when we understand that we can kind of bring in a little levity. So I think that there's something beautiful in that. And also it helps with our mood in that if we're having a really hard day, put on a comedy. You know, sometimes the work is about dropping deeper into the feeling, but sometimes it's about leaning into an opposite feeling, saying, you know, there's not much I can do. I don't need to stew in this or ruminate. So let me put on a comedy and let myself have the opportunity to maybe laugh and turn the rest of this day into something a little more, you know, positive. Not that everything has to be positive, but we're honoring that sometimes there's multiple experiences that can be had, right? And to acknowledge that what happened happened doesn't mean we have to always live in it. You know, and I know I'll do that with friends when they're having a rough day and they're ruminating. I'll say, hey, can I tell you about my day? You know, and it's like, I'll take your mind off things. I'll make you laugh. So I think laughing is really good. And a God, with our phones, we have access to so much memes, funny videos, right? Like in the palm of our hand, literally. And I've done that. Um, making, finding a movie, right? Uh, or a meme or something like that, that matches the way we want to feel. You know, sometimes you put on something sad because you really want to drop down deeper into something. But, you know, there's so there's so much comedy out there. My God. Um, so much comedy. I feel like that's everywhere. I, I can't get away from all these TikTok comedic things. So maybe just spend some time bathing your brain in some of that, you know, giving yourself a little bit of a break. Do that on your break also midday. If your job is stressful or you're going through something stressful, punctuate it with some comedic stuff. Make sure you're following some comedic stuff. So it just comes up on your feed. You know, I had to do that. I realized a lot of my social media feeds were just heavy news and politics. And I was like, this isn't giving me an opportunity to feel good or to laugh, right? Or to participate and remember that while all these things are happening around the world, there's also some positive things that are happening too. And it's more honest for me to really lean in and hold both. You know, we're learning how to hold both. We're learning how to hold opposing feelings or experiences because that's kind of how the world works. It's complex. Um, another thing that this article has thrown out there is aromatherapy. I know a lot of people laugh at stuff like that. I actually am a fan at times. I keep a little thing of uh, essential oils, uh, grapefruit, something I've stumbled upon in my travels and rub it in my hands and just smell it. I like it. It's, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to pull you out of a depression, but it's a moment. It's a ritual. It makes me smile puts a smile on my face. Sometimes it's the ritual. It's a, the association with the oil. And, and sometimes it's the scent. It's a citrus lighthearted scent. Like don't, don't knock what these small things can do. They can have a powerful impact on us. You know, it's those small things that matter. Um, and little comedic moments in aromatherapy are, are good breaks. You know, there it's part of us transitioning out. And also know that like aromatherapy doesn't necessarily just have to be essential oils. Candles, candles are very soothing. Looking at them, right? It can be meditative, but also smelling them. It can change an environment. And also, I love this. They mentioned this as well. Tea. There's something soothing, especially if you associate tea with calming, with the smell of teas, right? Like an Earl Grey or a peppermint or a chamomile before bed. Um, but it's about ritualizing. Remember, our brains are very associative. So if we often have a cup of tea in safe, calm moments, bringing a cup of tea into a, a, a difficult moment can, can start to soothe us already, you know? But you can ritualize it. Also make it maybe part of your winding down at night. Um, body lotions are like that. I, I think I often talk this way even about sex, is leaning into what are we hearing? What are we smelling, right? What are we seeing? And using that as a mood modulator 
right? So if you're having a rough day, like what are you looking at? Surround yourself with some funny prints and like we said, memes. What are you smelling? Get some essential oils, make some tea, right? Burn a candle. Things that kind of shift our state or have associations with different times and places, you know? Um, like I said, use it sexually and non-sexually. Also, they, they throw out here, give yourself a hug. Y'all, if that works for you, do it. I, I can't do that. I don't know that I've tried, but I'm not really sure that one of my coping mechanisms is going to be hugging myself. I'm not knocking it. Again, I just have not tried it. I don't know that that would work for me. But what it does do is it speaks to the power of touch. And touch is a very, very, very soothing thing for us um, by others and by ourselves. Some people thrive by getting massages. That's another way to get touch consensually if you don't have access to a partner or a friend to cuddle or hold hands with is masseuse, right? Um, so think about that. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll come. We'll come back. Look at some of these mood boosters. Kind of assess the quality and worth of them. You know, little things to put in their back pocket. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just closing out our discussion of mood boosters. You know, again, as we say, mental health. Feel your feelings. Be in them. Express them. Hold them. Process them. But sometimes you realize. Yeah, been spending my day ruminating or stuck on something, or I want to pull myself up and out of this. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. Um, one of the other ways is music. We've talked about that extensively. Music uh, has a really powerful impact, not just on mood, right? Where again, it helps us drop deeper into, it can help lift us out. Breaks between sessions with clients when I run to really kind of bring myself back to a more neutral state or just check in with where I'm at, I'll play music. Something that'll make me laugh or smile. You know, if I need to be put in a, in a happier mood because I have to go do a podcast, let's say, or I'm on my way out and something's making me anxious, it's a way to maybe build confidence, putting on music that builds up your self-esteem. Um, also, music is tied to vagal nerve uh, activation, and that's part of like our self-regulatory you know, nervous system. And um, it can help activate the parasympathetic system, which soothes us. Humming is part of that. It's related to slowing down your breathing, which we know slows down our system. Um, but also um, humming is a vocalizing. And like I said, there's something about vocalization and singing and music that really, really, really can get our parasympathetic system online. And um, so if you're nervous, try humming or singing. You know, it's like I said, slows you down also activates that system um, and it can also help with the mood. Lots of great research on that, but be thoughtful about what kind of music you choose, right? Because something heavier might put you in a more aggressive state. Something slower will slow down your heart rate. That might not be what you're looking for. If you need something to build confidence or if you're sad, you might want something with a faster pace or the opposite, right? So think about that, but it can you know reduce stress, anxiety. I like this one as well. Want to change your mood? A random act of kindness. Bam! More of that anyway. But if you're feeling trapped, you're feeling stuck, you're ruminating, you're spiraling, do something nice for someone. It'll put a smile on their face. That might reciprocate, make it put a smile on your face. It also would just make you feel good. You're stepping outside of yourself. You're stepping into action, right? Um, ask someone if they need help. Get a gift for someone. Do a chore for someone. Give someone or give your pet a treat. Actually, take your pet for a walk. What a great way to get out of the house, like we said. Uh, also, put on your earphones and play music while taking your pet out. Put a smile on their face. Take them shopping. I don't know. Finally, relationality. Call someone. Sometimes the best thing is to call them not to even talk about what's on your mind, but to hear what's going on with them, to, again, be brought out of your mood, to be distracted, to connect with someone. Or maybe you do want to you know, process what's going on. 
Um, you can share your frustrations, get encouragement. Maybe you just want to call that friend that's funny and say, hey, I had a rough day. Make me laugh. I don't even want to talk about it because we don't always need to sit in it. Sometimes we need to be pulled out of it, right? So we have those friends that we know are going to make us laugh, tell something funny, pass memes around with someone. You know what I mean? Also, just knowing that there's someone there with you. There's something, again, really powerful about not feeling like we're alone in whatever's going on for us. But that goes back to everything else we've talked about earlier in the show about forgiving people and letting things go so that we have access to people. But if we're always pushing people out of our lives and every small infraction is something we hold people too accountable to and we don't move on or do the repair work, then we don't have those people to reach out to. So all these things are mutually reinforcing, right? And again, the relationships around us determine our mental health. So really zero in on that part. I, I like that idea of us first thinking, is there someone I can connect to before we turn to objects? Objects are really great external regulators, but co-regulation via the connection or presence of someone we feel safe with and care about is really an important tool for us to like get familiar with. Um, but the external resource of objects like music, aromatherapy, all that stuff is also important, you know? But um, I'm, very, I'm very much a relationalist, right? And so I'm always trying to bring people back to that. But check in on that. You know, part of social maintenance is having healthy relationships that we need them, they're there. Not realizing those dark moments and adding another layer of, and I also don't have access to people, you know? And that's why I think social media is great. Sometimes your resources are just someone maybe you've never even met that you talk to sometimes on Instagram. That's okay. You, it's, it's good that you have someone there, someone who's thinking about you, someone you have access to. We don't want to knock that. We just need relationality. You know, if they can be in real time in person, that's even better. But sometimes social media is the best we have. I know I've, I've had a, been in a rough mood and just not even connecting with someone directly, but just seeing a tweet they said, I related to it, right? Or it just brought up some level of vulnerability or I felt like I wasn't in something on my own and it can be very helpful. So my God, we're going back to a social media discussion. You know, there it is, curating the right stuff. So you have access to it. Really look at that though. If you're only following dark, heavy things, it's part of maybe reason, you know, why you might be always swimming in that. It's okay to follow some really ridiculous, guilty pleasures, as they say. You know what I mean? Having those things that just are throwaway. I follow a few of those that I can count on just making me laugh, roll my eyes in a positive way, or distract myself. You know what I mean? But recently, music's really been my go-to, um, which is surprising because I was always into music, but I kind of drifted away. You know, but being at the radio station, I think has really reminded me of the importance of it. But I use music as a lot, as, as very much as a resource to kind of bring me in and out of different things. So anyway, look into it, check it out. Certain bands are really great at that. You know what I mean? Matching your mood, changing your mood. So, all right, uh, coming up next though, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So um, DMs are always open. That's a great thing, 24 hour, 24 seven. I always forget to mention that. Anything you want to know, drop your questions in there. Topic you want covered, let us know. Something you want us to drop deeper into, we're happy to do that. And past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Check them out. Binge, post, share. Uh, stick around, though. DM's coming up next. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs, brought to you by Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. All right. Here we go. This one's a little bit of a long one. Uh, hey, Dr. Chris, I love your show and how much it has made me self-reflect so as to make sure all my relationships are thriving. Mad respect to you. been dating my girlfriend for two and a half years now. We've had our ups and downs as I'm more avoidant and she's more anxious. We still love each other and both go to individual therapists to continue to work on ourselves. That's awesome. Well done. Also, I like that you know your attachment style, aka your relational style. It lets us know what our work is, right? Someone who's avoidant needs to stay put and lean in when they want to lean out. Someone who's anxious needs to settle themselves down, anchor themselves, right? Get some clarity. Um, A few months ago, you said I was working at an agency she was connected to as our funder. So we shared similar coworkers. Okay, I think I got that. I started to develop feelings for my coworker and the feelings were mutual. So I decided to quit the job because I could no longer spend time with this coworker and stay with my girlfriend. It's very mature of you to understand the difficulty. That's what we all need to do. If we start to see a boundary slipping or we think a boundary might slip, we, we call it out to ourselves, to our partner, to the person. We set the boundary. We take care of ourselves. We take care of our relationship, right? My girlfriend confronted me and I told her nothing had happened. Her friends, my coworkers, told her that I looked shady. Aye. Because so far, it sounds like you're actually being very integrity-based. I still think about that coworker every day, even though we've cut off all communication. Am I just deep in fantasy? Or are the feelings real? Here's a hard one. I don't, I don't know. It's both. I mean, if we haven't actually been with someone, then a lot of our understanding is going to be fantasy-based. But that doesn't mean the feelings aren't real. But I guess my bigger question is, even if the feelings were real... Does that matter? How about your feelings with your girlfriend? You cut this off because your girlfriend, which tells me the feelings for her are real, your girlfriend, that you really care about her. So why does it matter if you still care about this coworker? Because remember, we can care 
We can care for multiple people at one time. We can have feelings for multiple people at one time. We can be in love with multiple people at one time. It's not a non-renewable, you know, it, it's a it's a resource that's accessible all the time, right? So what meaning are you making out of that? If I said, I think the feelings are real, would that then negate or illegitimize how you feel for your girlfriend? Because those feelings for her were meaningful enough to cut it off with a coworker. So I guess I'm not, I, I'm not aware of the deeper question you know, because maybe the feelings are real and you'll have to learn how to move forward in the world, loving your girlfriend while also having feelings for someone else. But that's not uncommon. It's easy and it's also understandable. And even for some of us expected for us to develop crushes and feelings for other people throughout the duration of our relationship. When things are good, when things are bad, when we're closer, when we're more distant, you know, people come into our lives and there's a lot of different elements of ourselves that other people can connect to that our partner maybe can't. And it's okay to be attracted to other things in the world. That's part of human nature. But that doesn't mean there's anything we need to do about it or do with it. It's not necessarily a call to action. Sometimes it's just a recognition. Yeah, that's there, you know? So if you really do have a girlfriend and you're happy with her, then it doesn't really matter, you know? Just let it be. Acknowledge that you have a crush on someone else. It happens. If, though, you're not in love with your girlfriend, well, maybe then you do want to go take time to figure out and explore. Maybe you need to put a pause on your relationship with your girlfriend or break it off, I don't know. But if you love her, problem solved. If you don't, then maybe you do need to end it and go explore and find out. So it's more rooted in how you feel about your girlfriend, you know? Tough stuff though, you know? Relationships go through changes. Something's important at one point, down the road maybe isn't. Like I said, we drift. Sometimes we grow in opposite directions and what we had in common isn't there anymore or what connected us isn't there anymore. You know, so it's kind of more about your sense of your relationship. It's hard stuff though. You know, as humans, we're going to be oriented towards new things and other things. We want so much, we want familiarity and comfort with our partners, but then sometimes doing so can suck the energy and fun out of it to its destruction. So make sure you're giving your girlfriend all the time and energy can to give it its best shot. Work on that. But like I said, if you realize it's not what you want, well, then it's time to bounce. You know what I mean? Good luck. Let me know how it goes. Truly circle back and let me know. Uh, all right, y'all. That is our show. Tomorrow we'll be talking about motherhood. I know. Mental health perspectives. Um, and then also uh, things we need to think about for healthy long-term relationships. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. So go on over, binge, share, post, check them out and uh, check out my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Both a little bit different, but both kind of walk you through the journey of sex, gender, relationships, body, all sorts of good stuff, mental health tips. So check it out. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 